probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me this week is... Spencer Perry. I'm an associate editor at ComingSoon.net. Awesome. Thank you for being on, Spencer. Totally, man. Yeah, so... um yeah, astute listeners will probably figure out that Spencer's brother Shane is also on the uh, the Geek Rags podcast that I'm on regularly. Yes. Are. So uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get uh, we'll get Shane on here at some point too. It'd be fun. Yeah. So today we are talking about minute thirty one of the thing, which begins with uh, McCready grabbing a beer and hearing some uh, some strange sounds in the background, and then ends a minute later with the reveal of the dog thing. So we got to see it kind of start transforming last week in, in minute 30, but then here we get it actually kind of, you know, fully formed as, as the guys on at the camp see it. So this is a pretty badass minute. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, it really, uh, it's a good example of just how awesome the sound design is Yeah, in, in the movie, especially that first like 15 seconds. Cause not only are you hearing the monster, but then when he breaks the fire alarm and you have it, you have the fire alarm coupled with these like horrible noises. It, it, it's, it's just a great chunk of sound design. It, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I've been talking a lot about the sound design because this is where it um, it really kind of kicks off in full form. This movie's one of, you know, I'm a, I'm a sound person, so I, I right. kind of I love this kind of trivia and stuff. But um, this movie's definitely one of the best, certainly in the horror genre, but really overall, it's one of the best made uh, movies for sound. And yeah, I love, I'm trying to remember what I have it written down. The, oh, yeah, the sound that uh, McCready's hearing at the beginning, uh, way in the background, is a combination of pig squeals and bird calls. <laughs> and it's, like, way in the background, so it's really kind of, it's nice how subtle it is. You really, you might not even notice it if you weren't, if he wasn't paying attention to it. But, yeah, and then the alarm. And it's, I'm trying to think, it's funny, I just heard that same alarm sound in some other movie, like, last week. And it, uh, I can't remember what it was now, but it's funny. It must have been one of the common ones used yeah, in, uh, yeah. in the early 80s or something. <laughs> <laughs> and another great thing about that that kind of opening uh, piece of him in the kitchen is, you know, he, he breaks the, the alarm on the fire alarm and pulls it. But then it, it cuts to a close-up of the fire alarm. So, so all you see is fire on the screen. And it, it's it's like a, a we didn't need that shot unless Carp that's Carpenter being like all right here comes the fire yeah and it's so um, it is so like it's such a close up too like we could it could have just been a you know distant one but you know yeah. it's, what's funny is it actually it's almost you know like a script doesn't necessarily say you know whether something's a close up or not but in the script it specifically it goes from interior kitchen to in in all bold his beer can as it smashes the glass of the fire alarm so it it is kind of it's almost yeah. from, straight from the script the way he filmed it. But yeah, it definitely kind of ups the ante and makes it a little bit more exciting because this is kind of a kind of a quiet moment in between, you know, and Clark discovers the dogs just a, a minute ago and then mm -hmm. uh, from McCready actually hearing it. So, yeah, so he, he hits the alarm and then they all run in and, and try and see what's going on. But uh, before we get that, uh, we get the whole kind of crew waking up, which um, 
has a pretty interesting little bit in that uh, Richard Dysart, the guy that plays uh, Doc Copper, pulls a full frontal in this scene, weirdly enough. <laughs> you can totally... I never s- noticed that before. <laughs> I would never have noticed it until, you know, kind of going through this this movie this closely and reading up yeah, on some yeah. of this stuff. But yeah, he's totally... His junk's just totally out there. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's, he's, you know, he's one of the older guys on the on the cast, and I guess he just didn't give a shit. <laughs> But it's yeah, oddly, you know, it, it made it past. You know, I don't think it really affected the the rating of the movie necessarily. But right. <laughs> oddly enough, we'll, we'll talk about the TV version of the movie a little bit later. But it is blurred in the TV version. Really? <laughs> yeah, which is funny. That's so interesting because it's only for like half a second. It's way yeah. in the background. But it, you know, it's just kind of funny. This movie technically <laughs> has full frontal male nudity. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good piece of trivia to have in your back pocket <laughs> yeah i do love the line right before they they all start getting dressed of weird and pissed off <laughs> yeah it's a classic one that's that's one of the ones I, i've seen this line a million times now because on the on the blu-ray every time you pick what you want to watch it shows that clip before it goes to it. <laughs> so i've seen it like fifty thousand times but um yeah it's a great line and that's that's straight from the script too and it's funny, funny enough to note while we were mentioning the TV version uh, in the TV version, he says weird and ticked off, which <laughs> does not have the same uh, same right. effect. <laughs> yeah. So this is, you know, everybody kind of gathering up to to see what's going on here. I love the whole uh, thing where he's grabbing Childs and he's like, he wants what? Like the whole, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they just keep upping the ante like, holy shit, like this, whatever that you don't even know what you're really seeing yet. But just their reactions and their what they're planning to do just makes it instantly very intense. And also that scene, if you think about it in the context of the movie, by the end of the movie, you're looking at two characters that are assimilated by the thing at some point. So is is this uh, is this an, one thing warning another thing he wants the flamethrower or are these still two people right now <laughs> and even if they are still two people it's still interesting to think about oh well both of them later are the thing and neither of them would want someone to be using a flamethrower yeah that's a good point yeah it's this this part of the movie especially before you really know what's going on but after you know watching it on on repeated viewing it's really interesting to t- try and figure out who's assimilated or not at this point because this yeah. is still still before like you know, they really know the rules. So you re- it really could be, it's really up in the air. And it's all, it's also worth pointing out that most three of the four people that enter from the, the doorway on the right side, from the right of the kennel, mm-hmm. th- three of them do become assimilated. And one of them just dies from the thing. It, it's interesting how most of the people on that side of the room end up being assimilated. And most of the people on the left side are not assimilated. Yeah, you're right. As I'm looking at now, and I think the only person on the other side of the room that does is I think Norris is way in the background. Yeah. But yeah, the other guys, you're right. They're, they're all, it does kind of split them right down the middle there. It's uh it's interesting to note that um this scene is pretty different. This whole sequence, actually, we'll, we'll talk about it a lot this week, probably is pretty different in the script. Like it, it's got kind of the same basic skeleton, I guess, but it's got some pretty interesting stuff in that they don't like just walk up to the kennel and shine the flashlight at it and reveal the dog. Actually, Mac is already there. And when everybody else arrives, they like run into him because he's trying to stop them from like getting too close. And they right. not they knock him into the kennel. And so he's like right next to it. And then he shines his flashlight up at it, which sounds kind of cool. I like the way it's revealed here, but that idea sounds kind of interesting to me. And I wonder if the only reason Carpenter didn't shoot it that way is I think 
I want to say this is one of the effect shots that they did like much later. Like they shot all this stuff with the cast first, but right. then went back and shot the actual, you know, puppet and everything later. So, you know, maybe they couldn't, they actually couldn't do that shot because he would have been in the same shot with it and that it didn't exist yet at that point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and be- and it's worth noting off of that, that this is the only effect in the whole movie that wasn't done by Rob Bottin. It was done by Stan Winston. Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's get into that for sure. The the dog is obviously the main main focus here. So, yeah, they pull up and shine the flashlight at it, and it's um it's pretty different than it looked the last time we saw it. It actually, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's not like a dog that was shedding its skin. Now it's like this whole kind of morphed dog creature that's all slimy and gross, and it's got like this <laughs> weird chicken leg coming off its butt, and it's still but it's still got that weird tongue thing that's like flopping around on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this it, it is um by done done by Stan Winston because Rob Bottin was like exhausted to the point where he had to be hospitalized at the end of the movie. So, uh, yeah, they brought in Stan Winston to help out and do just this one effect to kind of give Botin time to finish up some of the other ones. And uh, Stan Winston, for people who don't know, is, is for special effects fans, is definitely one of the, uh, one of the top-tier guys along there with, like, Rob Botin and uh, Rick Baker. Rick uh, Baker, yeah. Stan Winston did stuff like uh, Terminator, Terminator 2, Aliens, both the first Predator movies, Iron Man. I mean, he was he did stuff right up until he died, and I think 2008 he was doing really cool stuff. So he he's done a ton of really awesome movies um, and had had a hand in the special effects of some of the most important special effects movies. So that's pretty cool to have him. He just gets a special thanks in the credits. Um, right. Yeah. He didn't he didn't even want a credit for it, which is pretty kind of kind of nice of him to do for Botine, I guess. But it's interesting because the. That that puppet is that you can really tell once you know kind of how it works, like how somebody is fit inside of it. It makes a lot of sense because there's a great uh, special feature about it on the Blu-ray where they, they kind of show how it worked. And Stan Winston is talking about how if you really look at it, the dog is shaped exactly like a human shoulder and arm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like just just very conveniently. So, you know, it's it's just some guy under the set and it's just a, an entire arm up in there. And I'm sure th- there's more stuff to it. There's some hydraulics that control like the le- weird little leg in the back and the mouth and all that. But in, in, you know, the main bit of it is just a dude's arm. And w- once you like have that in your head, it's impossible to look at it without thinking about that. As, and especially when you think about what you mentioned earlier of, of these shots being done later, as, considering it, it's not in the frame with anyone else. It's literally just this what, on what was probably a raised platform. So someone could duck underneath it and get his hand in the puppet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, once you know some of the kind of tricks and, and about the schedule and stuff like that, it, uh, I, w- I would say it takes away from the shine, but the effect is so awesome that it really yeah. doesn't. <laughs> this is definitely one of, one of my favorite uh, effects of the movie just because this is one of the few times when you see the thing and it's, it is more – I guess it's because it's so close to assimilating the, the dogs that it, it, it does have more of a kind of like – real life animal quality to it. Like it really feels living rather than some of the other ones that are just like blobs of, you know, flesh and stuff in some cases. Yeah. So this one's like especially creepy because it is so like animated and the way it moves is so natural. And it just looks a little more greasy than any of the other thing monsters do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, it, it's at the point where it's almost got like the skin of the dog finished you know assimilating or whatever so it's <laughs> yeah. definitely it's super gross looking for sure 
And I love the little the little lip curl right yeah. before its mouth fully opens, but it is it's getting started on a like a snarl right before the mouth opens. It's that's great. Yeah, it's such an awesome effect. It's that's the kind of little stuff that really sets this apart from um you know, there were a lot of movies coming out around this time that had like you know, aliens and creatures and stuff that were in, in a lot of like B horror movies and stuff, but the like super attention to detail stuff like that, where, you know, the lip curls back when it's growling and like, you know, the, every little piece of it is moving in some way. Or that, that's the kind of stuff to me that really sets this apart and makes it, you know, kind of over the top and, and one of the classics of movie sound, uh, movie, uh, visual effects for sure. And also it, it's, it, it's a good, almost a precursor to what we're going to see later, when the guy's when the guy's head pops off and we realize that you know not only does the thing assimilate the people but then every part of it is alive so yeah. when every part of it is moving here it's already setting up that this isn't just a one thing like this thing can break off and become multiple things yeah that's a good point um it definitely kind of implies that even though you know at this point in the movie if you haven't seen it before you don't really know how it works yet or what the, what the rules are yeah, I mean this is this is just a great scene because it is the first it's the first really big reveal for us, but also the first really big reveal for the characters. Like up until this point, you know, we've seen the dog transforming, so we know there's some like crazy shit going on in there. But otherwise, we haven't really seen anything except the aftermath at the Norwegian base and like the the, the double faced you know yeah. melted person, <laughs> which is like super creepy. But there's no real hint as to why it looks like that or what what that was at this point in the movie. So you know it's it's a big moment for the for the story. This is this is kind of where it shifts into what it's actually going to be for the rest of the movie. So yeah, I'm trying to think if I had any any other major uh, notes for this one in particular. We've got lots more dog thing and some other you know versions of it coming up in in the next couple <laughs> minutes. So there's definitely more to talk about there. But anything uh, anything else you wanted to mention about uh, this minute? Uh, I don't think so, man. But it, this is when things really kick off, like. I remember I can't remember the first time I saw this movie. I was probably in high school, but it became one of those movies that I always showed to people. Yeah, that ca- that came over. And between this and the autopsy scene, these these were the two scenes that made people realize, oh, I've never seen a movie like this before. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, this this is definitely where it makes a turn towards like the, the holy shit moment of the, yeah. <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, we talked about it last week with the you know, when the dogs when the dog's face opens up. Like, yes. I, I really wish I could uh, I could go back in time and watch that again for the first time, because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, when this was one of the first kind of horror movies I really got into. But, you know, for people that saw this back in 82, I can't even imagine their what the reaction must have been like, like people, you know, lost their minds when they saw Alien and, and it burst out of the chest and. Um, you know, people were like throwing up in the theaters and walking out and stuff. <laughs> but like, this is so, this is like a whole nother level. Like the, you know, when the, his face, cause it looks totally real and the face peels back and this dog's like skull just falls out of its head. It's like the craziest looking thing. And it comes out of nowhere. Like you, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to even imagine seeing it for the first time again. Cause it's just so crazy. Especially if, since this movie only opened two weeks after E.T. Yeah. So everyone has this, like, picture of, like, a cute, adorable alien in their head. And then they then you go see this. I, I doubt there was much crossover since this <laughs> d- didn't do awesome at the box office. But I, I can't – yeah, you're right. I, I can't imagine what it's like to – you know, you've never seen an animal peel its own face off without even touching its face. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, I mean, the, all, all that and, and then just the fact – the uh, the 
craft of how well it actually looks to like, you know, if it, if it didn't look good, then the effect of it would be really kind of diminished. But the fact that it looks so realistic and really just falls in line with the, the kind of look of the rest of the movie makes it so much more kind of gross and disturbing and, and, (laughs) you know, it works just perfectly. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that will probably wrap up uh, minute 31. In the meantime, listeners, you can always go to thethingminute.com for full show notes on every episode, which includes any links to anything we talked about or anything like that. And sometimes we post some behind the scenes photos for like deleted scenes and anything like that I can find, I'll usually post too. So check that out and then make sure to come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper, signing out.